Yo, what is going on everyone? My name is Nick or The Notorious Fantasy and in today's video, we're going to be going over my week number 15 running back start or sit decisions for most of you guys. It's playoff time and we got to make sure we got the best running backs in our lineups. We got to make sure that we make the best decision and in today's video, I'm going to help you do exactly that going in depth through every single game from the Thursday game to all the Saturday games all the way up until Monday Night Football telling you guys whether I would start or sit the running backs in every single matchup before we can get into things though i would like to ask that if you guys are new to the channel and you do end up enjoying they please make sure to hit that subscribe button down below and while you're down there whether you are new to the channel or not please make sure you leave a like on today's video it would help me out a ton if you want to follow me on twitter or x please do so at notorious fntsy so without further ado let's get into my week number 15 running back start or sit decisions for the 2023 fantasy football season we begin with a fantastic matchup on Thursday Night Football. Easton Stick and the LA Chargers versus Aiden O'Connell and the Las Vegas Raiders in Viva Las Vegas. The only running back I want to be starting in this game is Austin Eckler. Now, last week, the entire fantasy community essentially said F you to Austin Eckler like their name was CeeLo Green, right? Everyone finally admitted that they were tired of Eckler bending him over a table and everyone began to be like, you know what? It might be time to sit Austin Eckler. And then the second we have that thought enter our mind, he decides to have his first 20 plus point performance since week number 10. Last week up against the Broncos, he had 10 rushes for 51 yards, as well as five receptions on seven targets for 49 yards with a touchdown in that game. Even without Justin Herbert, the pervert, and Easton Stick being under center, I fully expect Austin Eckler to get fed like before they ship you off to the Hunger Games, they give you that huge buffet. It's gonna be that level of a feast for Austin Eckler. Now, I fully understand that this could end in disaster, right? I get that just because Austin Eckler kind of rips the Band-Aid off and has a great game last week doesn't mean that he's guaranteed to do it this week. But up against a Raiders defense that isn't the best, I definitely like my chances at Austin Eckler being at the bare minimum a top 10 running back this week. Now, Joshua Kelly entering into last week's matchup against the Broncos, there was a lot of talk about Kelly potentially seeing more work. So, promptly after all of that talk, he gets three carries for six yards. This guy is absolutely awful. So, no one in their right mind should even start considering him. For the Raiders, we got Josh Jacobs. Now, Josh Jacobs did exit last week's electrifying matchup against the Vikings. Just another great game, right? Where it was 0-0 for majority of the game. And then the Vikings win it on a great field goal, right? What a game that was. Now, Jacobs did miss that game at the end in the fourth quarter with a knee injury. Now, it is reported that he has a quad injury and that he did not practice on Monday. I won't pretend to be a doctor here, but based upon what I saw with my own two eyes, since this game is on Thursday, I think it's pretty clear that Jacobs won't be playing. Now, assuming that Jacobs does miss, we'll see Zamir White as well as Amir Abdullah split reps during this game, even up against a Chargers defense that's pretty shit. Neither of them will stand out enough to be a start. And again, this game kind of reeks of 7-10 to for maybe the Raiders win 10-7. Maybe there's not even 17 total points in this game, right? And since I think that it'll probably be like a high-scoring Thursday night football extravaganza like the Patriots-Steelers last week where no one expected there to be a lot of points, then of course it's just a very high-scoring game. Now we move to Saturday. Yes, there are three games on Saturday, so make sure you tell your girlfriend, your fiancé, your wife, if you know you got one, that, hey, sorry, we're going to be watching football Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday, you know, they'll, they'll really love that. Merry Christmas to them, right? Put you on the naughty list right before Christmas. Minnesota Vikings at the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, the belief as of right now from everything that I've read is that the ankle injury that Madison suffered last week will take him out for at least this game. Assuming that is the case, Chandler will be given the opportunity to cook as the lead back on this team. Now, last week, he didn't do too much. He had 12 rushes for 35 yards as well as three receptions for seven yards. 
But the main reason why he didn't have an electric performance was because Madison didn't get hurt in like the first or second quarter. He exited the game super late. And Madison was actually having a very good game prior to that injury. Even with the Vikings offense looking like a straight up dumpster fire. Even with Joshua Dobbs looking like his Linsanity run is over. I still think based upon how good Chandler has looked this season when given the opportunity to be the guy, he should be at the very least a fringe running back starts now obviously the quarterback situation does worry me so I'm not going to sit here and scream for the mountaintops like the Ricola advertisement that you need to start Ty Chandler but if push comes to shove if you're in more of a shitty situation and you need a fringe start I think Ty Chandler should be just fine Alexander Madison if he was to miss which I believe will be the case then Keen Nuwanguwu will operate as the running back to sit him I apologize to that is definitely not how you pronounce your name. Best of luck on Saturday. I was about to say on Sunday, but this game's on Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Joe Mixon was a top 10 running back now in back-to-back -back weeks. Mixon is now officially, in my opinion, on fire, dubbing him as a must-start. Now, last week, up against the Colts at home in Cincy, he had 21 carries for 79 yards with three receptions for 46 yards and one touchdown. That was a game where Jake Browning came alive like the Bride of Frankenstein and absolutely sliced up the Colts' defense. Now, I understand that there's going to be potentially a big downfall for Jake Browning, right? Because we're not in Kansas anymore, like in the fucking Wizard of Oz, right? We're not playing up against that Colts defense anymore, right? We're going up against the Vikings defense that looks rock solid as of right now. But again, even going up against a stout Vikings defense, it's the playoffs for most of you. Are you really going to get cute and bench Joe Mixon, who has been so great as of recently, to go with a different, more risky option. Again, I know that this isn't the best matchup on earth, right? I'm not going to sit here and pretend that this is a wet dream spot for Mixon, but I think that you should be starting him in this spot. I think coming out the bye week, he should be been a stud ever since that bye week. So to me, he's a top 16 running back at the very least. Now, Chase Brown had a huge performance last week against the Colts with eight rushes for 25 yards and three receptions on three targets for 80 yards with a touchdown. I'll give him a nice round of applause because Chase has also been a very effective running back when getting the ball this season. And he's really started to actually accumulate a lot of touches over the last two weeks. And that's great. But against the Vikings defense, I will restrain my excitement for Chase Brown and leave him on the bench. Next up, we move to the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Indianapolis Colts Saturday, 4.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, Zach Moss yet again sees roughly 10 gazillion touches and manages to not fall into the end zone. He is given so many opportunities and he just gets flustered and can't find the end zone, right? It's like when you're right there, ready to stick your cock into the woman that you're talking to, and then it just doesn't work, right? You're all limp dick, nothing's working. That's what's happening with Zach Moss. He's knocking on the door, but his little guy just won't get up, right? And there's no Viagra in sight, right? 13 rushes for 28 yards, four receptions on eight targets for 28 yards up against the Bengals. And even with JT out for two straight weeks, Moss has finished outside the top 25 in both games. I won't full-on jump ship, right? But ranking him inside the top 12 at this point in the season feels foolish. It feels ludicrous, luda, right? So as we are sitting right now on Monday night after watching my Dolphins get their heart ripped out, he is a low-end running back too. But again, there are definitely a lot of reasons to panic. For Trey Sermon, the backup, he's definitely Moss's backup. But with him seeing three or fewer touches in the past two games without JT, he should be nowhere near your lineup and he should be on the waiver wire. Now we got the Pittsburgh Steelers, Najee Harris, and Jalen Warren. Now, even with the Colts defense not being great against the run, I would just rather avoid both of the Steelers running backs who flip-flop touches weekly like a chick you're trying to figure out oh what do you want for dinner then they're like oh I actually want this and then you're like okay I'm gonna call them up make a reservation they're like oh actually we should go and just get chicken nuggies from McDonald's instead right that's just how 
some women operate. Again, not all women are like that. My fiance is like that at points. But uh, with Trubisky under center, back to the actual point of things, this offense is going to be trash. I get some people may be in a bad situation at running back and you're stuck playing Harris or Warren, but I would rather just kind of turn the other cheek and start someone else. So Najee, Jalen Warren with Trubisky under center again. I didn't think things could get much worse than with Kenny Pickett under center, but the answer is they actually could get worse. And we saw that against the Steelers on Thursday night. So here we got Saturday night football, the Denver Broncos at the Detroit Lions, the first Decent game, I would say, on Saturday. Now, again, now that I say that, like the Bengals versus the Vikings going to be a shootout or the Colts versus the Steelers, the battle of mid, they're going to go crazy. 70 total points or a 70-point game for one of those teams, right? Dolphins style, but Broncos at the Lions. Now, Javante Williams had one of his best games on the year last week up against the Chargers in LA with 17 rushes for 66 yards and four targets on three receptions for 25 yards and a touchdown. With the Lions defense being a complete and utter fucking disgrace to the sport of football, I think Williams should finish in the running back 12 to 18 range, making him a mid to high end running back two this week up against the Lions defense. That is just getting butt-fucked week in and week out. Now, Samaj P. Ryan did have a solid run from weeks 11 through 12, and it kind of got to a scenario where it's like, oh, maybe in week 13 we'll start Samaj P. Ryan. But I told everyone to calm their tatas down a little bit and realize that, hey, maybe this could be a fluke. And that's kind of been the case. Was a top 20 running back in weeks 11 and 12, but ever since then, he's fallen from grace. I still think that the upside is there, but since his workload fluctuates so much weekly and really taken a dip over the last two weeks, I think you should just avoid P. Ryan. For the Lions, both David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs are going to be starts. Now, Monty had a down game last week with 10 rushes for 66 yards with three receptions on three targets for 19 yards. In a losing effort by the Lions in Chicago, like, I know the Lions and Bears played close a couple weeks ago, but I really thought that the Lions would kind of get that monkey off the back, right? That the Lions would just go full scorched earth. They were going to eviscerate, torch, you know, like fucking Daenerys when she killed all those people with the dragon in King's Landing, right? I thought that's what the Lions were going to do to the Bears. And it was the exact opposite, right? The Lions got spit-roasted in that game. Now, the Denver defense is pretty meh against the run, and I do definitely expect the Lions offense to nut up and play better, so I'm not going to panic. It's not DEFCON 1 mode. I think Monty should be back to being his usual top 18 self this week going forward. When it comes to Jameer Gibbs, he played better last week compared to his prior two games with 11 carries for 66 yards and four receptions on three targets for 16 yards with the touchdown. To me, Gibbs is in the same range as David Montgomery. I do view David Montgomery as a little bit safer, but I think him and Gibbs should both be top 18 guys this week, thus making both of them a start. Next up, we move to the Chicago Bears at the Cleveland Browns and cool Joe Flacco. This is the start of the one o'clock slate on Sunday, Eastern Standard Time. If you guys have enjoyed thus far, make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below if you are new. And whether you are new to the channel or not, make sure they hit that like button. It would help me out a ton. So Bears at Browns. Now the Browns running back room to me is pretty easy to understand. Now I'm not going to lie, while Jerome Ford F-150 has been solid and is basically a stone-cold lock to be a top 24 running back. It is shocking to me how little usage he has been getting. Now, again, he's not a guy that's getting like six touches a game, but you would think with how Ford has looked versus how Kareem Hunt has looked, the team would really look to utilize Jerome Ford a little bit more. Like, to me, he's a guy that should be getting 15-plus carries a game, and that just isn't the case as of right now. Last week, he did see 12 carries for 51 yards and six receptions on five targets for 31 yards against the Jaguars. So again, I'm not going to sit here and complain and beg on my knees like, please, can we get more touches for Jerome Ford? But really, I wish he did. Now, the Chicago Bears defense has been sneaky great against the run, so I'm not going to bang my chest too hard here like fucking King Kong on top of New York City. But I do think he's a safer and lower running back two type of range, right? Where he's not like running back 13 or 14, but he's like running back 
22 to 24 type of range with some solid upside because again, he's a good player, but the team hasn't really given the keys to the backfield, right? The reins fully to Jerome Ford. Now, Kareem Hunt has fallen ass backwards into multiple top 24 performances this year, despite only averaging 3.3 yards per carry. And most of that is due to the fact that he has scored seven total touchdowns in 11 games. This week, up against an underrated Bears defense, I would run away quicker than the Roadrunner here. When it comes to the Bears, Dante Foreman is the clear lead back, in my opinion, and that was definitely the case last week up against the Detroit Lions in Chicago. Though, he only had 11 rushes for 50 yards and three receptions on two targets for 22 yards. And he had under 10 points. If I had to play one of Donta Forbin, Khalil Herbert, Roshan Johnson, I would obviously play Foreman, right? But in what I project to be a lower scoring game, I think Foreman is best left riding the pine. Now, Khalil Herbert does appear to be the number two back, right? He's clearly above Roshan Johnson, but he got just three rushes for eight yards last week. If I'm nervous about playing Donta Foreman, I hope I portrayed that when I was talking about Donta Foreman as a sit. I am scared to death of playing Khalil Herbert. Next up, we move to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Green Bay Packers. Now, Rashad with two A's white has cemented himself as a must-start option every single week and twice on Sunday and has entered the range to where I almost feel like just throwing him in as a top five running back regardless of the matchup. This matchup against the Packers run defense that just got absolutely butt-fucked by Saquon Barkley is obviously a good one. This man took the Falcons out back like when Lenny was trying to tend for the Wabbits in Of Mice and Men and whacked him with 25 carries for 102 yards and two receptions for 33 yards and a touchdown. Again, I've had my doubts about Rashad White. I've talked about how going into the season, I thought that this guy wasn't going to be very good because he is as effective as using a fucking candy wrapper as a condom or using a goddamn plastic bag as a condom or something. But guess what? Even despite his inefficiency, I was correct. He just keeps getting so many touches. He keeps scoring. We got to believe in Rashad White at this point in the season. Now, Chase Edmonds has looked way better than he did last year when given an opportunity to touch the ball. But last week, I, I get we saw him get his career high, not career high, I apologize, his season high and touches. But like I always say, right, a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. A broken clock is right twice a day. Stay away from Chase Edmonds. Now, A.A. Ron Jones has missed three straight weeks with a knee injury. He did practice in limited fashion last week. So I do think there is a chance that he plays this week. Either way, though, I don't trust Aaron Jones off of an injury, and I definitely don't trust A.J. Dillon. We saw when Aaron Jones came back from injury earlier on in the season that they use the just-the-tip approach, right? They're just easing him in. And with the Packers' position to potentially make the playoffs, they might playoffs uh, after losing to the Giants, right? They might be looking to take the longer approach with things, right? Not just fully go balls deep with Aaron Jones instantly. And even if Aaron Jones doesn't play, Dylan is trash. Another bottom end game against the Bucks here. I really just don't think he's going to end up doing much. If you want 10 points, then go ahead and play him if Jones doesn't play. But if you are looking at a shot of getting more than 15 points, just not what A.J. Dylan's going to do. Now, again, now that I've shit all over him, he's going to do good, but I've shit all over him pause for the last like three weeks and he hasn't done anything. Patrick Taylor Jr., given Aaron Jones is out again, which may or may not happen, Taylor would be the running back two behind Dylan. He actually looks way better than Dylan, but Matt LaFleur doesn't give a rat's ass about that, so you gotta send Taylor since the touches won't be there. Next up, we move to game number seven here, the Houston Texans at the Tennessee Titans. Before we get on into the Tennessee Titans, very quickly after this game, you're going to get into the Dolphins versus the Jets, where I'm a Dolphins fan. I think a lot of you guys that anyone who isn't new, new would know that. Anyone who looks in the background will see the Dolphins logo in the back that my fiance painted me. I got a Dolphins hat on right now. We're going to talk about the Dolphins. Uh, 
gonna make me mad. I can already feel mad right now. But before we do do that, before we do do, <laughs> do do, uh, before we talk about that, I would like to give you guys a quick word from our friends and our sponsor over at Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is the best place to play Pick'em in the whole entire universe for the NFL, and they have a great offer for you guys today that we'll be talking about in just a couple of seconds, right after I explain how the NFL Pick'em game works. So we'll be talking about one of the Saturday games here, the Steelers at the Indianapolis Colts, and we have to pick a minimum of two players from at least two different teams. So they have a bunch of games up right now as we get later on into the week. There are going to be more players to choose from. So we're going to go with, in this game, Steelers at Colts lower than 195 and a half passing yards for Trubisky. And we are going to go with higher than 79 and a half receiving yards for Michael Pittman. If both of these hit, we will receive three times our entry fee. So if you do $5, you'll get out $15. If you do three picks, then it would be six times your entry fee. Four picks is 10 times and five picks is 20 times, assuming all the picks hit. If you live in one of these states on your screen right now and use promo code NotoriousFantasy or Notorious or click on the link in the video description, if you are a new user, you will get a first match deposit bonus of up to $100. If you deposit $100, they give an additional $100, $50 additional $50, $25 additional $25. The minimum deposit on underdog is $10. If you have a gambling problem, please make sure you call 1-800-GAMBLER. Back on into things here, Houston Texans at the Tennessee Titans. Now, Derrick Henry rope fucked the Dolphins defense on Monday night. The man made a catch. I've never seen him make a catch like that before. Dude jumped up like Randy Moss for a 17-yard catch. And then he had 17 rushes for 34 yards. I know, Nick, 17 rushes for 34 yards isn't very good. Well, guess what? It doesn't fucking matter when you score two touchdowns. I am already going to go on a tangent during the Dolphins game about how much we suck, so I'm not going to sit here and do it twice in a row, right? So Henry up against a division rival where he normally goes beast mode, Marshawn Lynch style, you got to fire him up with confidence. Now, Ajay Spears last week was the quintessential scenario for Tajay Spears to have a good game, right? The Titans were getting spit-roasted towards the end of the game. Now, they ultimately end up winning because the Dolphins are inept. But hey, they have to bench Henry in that scenario. So we see more Tajay Spears, who has seven rushes for 29 yards and six receptions on eight targets for 89 yards because the Dolphins decided to play prevent defense and just let Tajay Spears be wide fucking open against a Houston team that may or may not be with Stroud I think that gives enough pause here to be like, hey, maybe with Davis Money Mills under center, this ends up being a very close game to where Derrick Henry actually gets a lot of opportunities and Spears is kind of sitting in the cuck chair. For the Texans, the usage of the Texans running backs just has me very confused, if I'm being completely honest with you guys. Pierce returns from injury in week 12. And then the team in that game uses a kind of an even split there, right? I wouldn't say that it was clearly Singletary. It wasn't clearly Pierce getting a majority of the touches, right? It was very even. And then the next week, we see them ride with Damian Pierce. Then last week against the Jumbo Jets in a W. Actually, that was not a W. I don't know why I said it was a W because in everyone's head, everyone's like, oh, the Texans are going to steamroll the Jets, right? In a loss. A big fat L. The team clearly leans with Singletary, who rushed 13 times for 65 yards and a touchdown. Even against the Titans' run defense, I would rather just stay away from this backfield. Like I was saying, Pierce went from 15 carries in Week 13 to just four against the Jets. This backfield really feels like a minefield situation that you want to avoid. Next up, we got the New York Jumbo Jets at the Miami Dolphins. Now, the Miami Dolphins legitimately make me so sad, man. This is a Dolphins team that has all of the high hopes. Now, I know what you may be thinking. Nick, this just one game, Nick. It's okay. They lost the Titans. The whole fucking world is watching on Monday Night Football, and we get embarrassed. Embarrassed. We are up by a gazillion with three minutes left, and we let Will Levis turn into fucking Josh Allen and steamroll right through us. I am so beyond sick of this fucking franchise. Now, the Dolphins make me want to drag my goddamn ball sack through a mile of glass, but guess what? Guess what? I am going to come back on Sunday like an asshole and sit here with my foam finger that I could have just 
basically felt like a foam finger was shoved up my ass last night, or right now as we're speaking, because it's still Monday night as I'm speaking. It's Tuesday at 3 a.m. I'm going to be back cheering for the team. Like, they didn't just rip my dick off and smack me in the face with it. Right? This Dolphins team is really worrying me, man. Really worrying me. Now, I don't know who to blame. Like, I, I don't think you can just blame Tua. Again, Tua didn't have a good game. I don't think the blame's on Tua. I don't know if the blame's... Like, you can't fully blame anyone. Like, it was the whole fucking team's fault. Now, I know Nick the defense played kind of well in that game. Well, at the end, Vic Fangio decides to go into prevent defense. And all prevent defense does is prevent you from winning. Anyone with half of a brain knows that. Soft zone defense to get legitimately destroyed by DeAndre Hopkins. It made no sense. Now, again, I'm sorry for yelling. I'm sorry for getting angry, right? But it does really frustrate me. Again, I understand that two days from now, I'm not going to be bothered anymore. It is what it is, right? It's a regular season game. Don't get too worked up about it. But it just shows me that this Dolphins team is not ready to take that next leap in the playoffs. Like, if we were to get the bye week, which we're not getting anymore, I think we might, you know, based upon how they looked against the Titans, we'd get shellacked in the second round. I hope I'm wrong. I hope the Dolphins prove me wrong. I hope the Dolphins win the Super Bowl because that would bring immense joy to my life, right? And I tweeted this out earlier. I wish I didn't care, right? I wish I was someone that just liked watching the fucking Kardashians or I liked sitting and doing something else, watch Netflix or something instead of watching football because at the same time, while I love football, it'd be so great to not just have my, my happiness be changed by a team. Now, again, Nick, you might be overreacting this and the other thing. I know I'm overreacting. Right? I fully understand overreacting. Again, two days from now, I won't care that the Dolphins lost. But when you're someone that makes content like me, you're going to get stuff flung at you, right? I talk about how the Dolphins are guaranteed to beat the Titans. Everyone in America thought that. Even Titans fans thought that. Right? Vrabel gives a speech during the game. It's on TV. Well, not a speech, but he's talking to the interviewer. He basically implied that the, his team sucks and we lose to them. So again, I'm not going to sit here and ramble for an hour. This is going to be the longest section of the video, but it's just, it's just hard, man. It's just hard. Ladies as well. You know, it's hard to be a fan of a team that sucks. And I know, I know it could be much worse, right? I know there's much worse situations to be in, right? So I'm not going to complain and bitch and moan all day long about this because there's, there's people out there that aren't, there's, there's homeless people, right? There's people that can't eat. So I understand that I live a privileged life, right? So that's not what I mean, but just. It just hurts so bad to really believe it, to really buy in and then just get rinsed by the team every single year. Now, I never truly bought in until last year when we got Mike McDaniel, but Mike McDaniel, like th th this guy, like he he's a genius and all, but like sometimes he just goes and does the wrong things. Like instead of just running the ball, when we have so many opportunities to score a touchdown, he's throwing the ball, he's throwing bubble screens on third down. Like get your fucking head out of your ass, dude. Like, just think a little bit. I know we got Tyreek. I know we got Tua. Just run. We have Mostert. We have A-Chain. And that's the point of this video. We're talking about running backs, right? Back to what we actually care about here. I know there's a bunch of people that probably skipped up to this point. Mostert had 21 carries for 96 yards and one catch for four yards with two touchdowns. Sadly, it wasn't enough because our defense turned into Swiss cheese in the end. But regardless, I am firing Mostert up with supreme confidence against the Jets. That's a defense that he ran for 94 yards and two scores against. Two more scores away from being Abe Lincoln. So, I like him against the Jets. Devin, a chain. Devin, two chains. On the other hand, like, A-chain didn't have as good of a game, but was still competent. Seven rushes against the Titans for 47 yards, five receptions on nine targets for 24 yards. I think the Dolphins offense wakes up here like that Undertaker gif of him getting out the coffin. And A-Chain will have a better performance, just like Raheem. He, he's a must-start to me. Now, for the Jets, Brees Hall last week channeled his inner Alvin Kamara. Eight receptions, nine targets, 86 yards, 10 rushes for 40 yards, and one total touchdown. Now, the Dolphins' defense did play solid against Hall two weeks ago, but that's because Tim Boyle basically played the Jets out of that game. They couldn't run at all, they couldn't keep it close, and Tim Boyle couldn't even dump the fucking rock off correctly. So with Zach Wilson being back, Hall should be better... Again, the Jet the Dolphins defense is still solid, right? They crumbled like a cookie at the end of the game, but he should at the very least be a top 16 back, which puts him as a must start on a majority of teams. Now, allegedly entering into last week, Dalvin Cook was supposed to be more involved in the game. And he just wasn't. He he's still trash, just still not involved. There's 
literally no reason for him to even be on your fantasy team. Next up, we move to the Kansas City Chiefs at the New England Patriots. Now, we already talked about this earlier, how like the Patriots versus Steelers game actually became really exciting. Ezekiel Elliott went off. Now, again, I kind of liked Zeke last week, but I'm not going to sit here and lie and tell you I was that confident in him, right? I don't think anyone, even Zeke's fucking family, probably expected him to look that good. The initial report when Ramondre got hurt was that he would potentially miss multiple weeks. As of right now, I am operating under the assumption that Stevenson is out. Now, sometimes when you make assumptions, they make an ass out of you and me, as they say, but I think you know, again, I'm as much of a doctor as Johnny Sins. I think the safe assumption right now is that Stevenson will miss. Now, last week, in Stevenson's absence, Zeke turned back the clock with a running back one performance. He hopped in the hot tub time machine against the Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh with 22 carries for 68 yards, one off of 69. Very nice, I like, with seven receptions on eight targets for 72 yards and a touchdown. I don't think he'll be that good again. I do think... He will get enough volume to be at the very least up against a potential dumpster fire Chiefs team to be a top 24 back. Now, there is definitely potential for Bailey Zappi, the Zappinator, to run out of that fire, right? It's a Linsanity run. Josh Dobbs style, right? He's one good game and then he sucks ass. So it's possible, right? But even if Zappi doesn't play that great, I still think running back 20 to 24 feels fair for him in that range with clear running back one upside as we saw him do Exactly that, the running back one last week against the Steelers. For the Chiefs, I like both Jarek McKinnon as well as Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, but it's definitely kind of a tough situation to fully, to firmly grasp, right? As fucking SpongeBob said to Squidward, right? Firmly grasp it. McKinnon did get out-snapped and out-touched by Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, but I still do think I'd rather start McKinnon then Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I talked about this in the waiver wire video, but we've seen Jarek McKinnon make these crazy late season pushes, you know, like league winning upside late the season. And Clyde Edwards-Hilaire just really hasn't looked great this season. Last week in an L against the Buffalo Bills, McKinnon had four rushes for 19 yards for a touchdown and three receptions on three targets for 18 yards. If the Patriots offense is sneaky decent like last week, the Chiefs could be in a scenario where they have to throw the ball late because they're potentially either behind or it's a close game to where they're not just having to run the ball a bunch. Again, McKinnon and Hilaire are close for me, but I would lean slightly with McKinnon as my preference because, again, we've seen McKinnon really be great. Shout out Tony the Tiger. They're great, you know, recently, whereas... Clyde Edwards-Hilaire just hasn't looked great. Now, again, neither of these guys are must-starts, right? Neither of these guys want to be banging the drum aggressively for, right? They're just running back threes with upside, right? A, a lot of teams, you won't even need to start them. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had 11 rushes for 39 yards last week with two receptions on four targets for 29 yards. Frankly, I just don't love Hilaire because he just hasn't looked great to me, but we know the touches will be good enough for him to finish in the top 32, 34, so it makes him finish as a start, but again, he's not going to be very exciting in my opinion. Again, so McKinnon, Hilaire, they're both starts, but you're not really excited about them. Ezekiel Elliott is a RB2 in that type of range that I'm definitely way more excited to start Zeke compared to the Chiefs running backs. Next up, we move to a matchup between the New York football Giants at the New Orleans Saints. Now, the Giants, the G-Men, Tommy DeVito hit him with the fucking gabagool. Ah, 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 ah. Tommy DeVito, I tweeted this out. Everyone has seen this picture by now. Tommy DeVito's agent looks like an old school mobster. Now, it's got to be a joke or something. Tommy DeVito's agent looks like, now I did tweet this out, exactly this, but Tommy DeVito's agent looks like if he makes one call, you're going to end up in a body bag or in like a garbage bag with a bunch of chains around you at the bottom of the Hudson River if he just calls someone up, right? Like, that's the kind of guy he looks like. Now, hey, I don't know what the fuck I was just saying. My brain is fried. It's 3 a.m. The dolphins suck donkey cock. I'm sad, man. Saquon Barkley is a start. Tommy DeVito, aka the Bassin Bison, went balls deep in the Packers defense, leading to over 100 all-purpose yards for Saquon, Barkley, and two tugs. I know that DeVito will probably let us down big time this week, but even if Saquon comes spiraling back down to earth, I feel like it's virtually impossible to sit 
Saquon Barkley. He will be a top 12 running back in my rankings. And Saints defense, we all know they're a little bit fraudulent. But again, this is DeVito we're talking about, right? He could easily just shit the bed here. With Saquon Barkley healthy, Matt Breida should not even be within a school zone of your lineup. Alvin Kamara had a solid performance last week in a wet dream matchup against the Panthers. I definitely think he would have, I thought that he should have done a little bit better, but again, I'm not going to complain about an all right game, right? I'd only complain if Kamara like really shit the bed, stunk it up big time. 12 carries for 56 yards and three receptions for negative 11 yards and a touchdown. No need to panic as this is a great bounce back spot for Mr. Kamara. Fire him up as a top five, top five, top five back this week. Now, Jamal Williams, we actually saw... The first time all season where Kamar was healthy and Jamal Williams actually got a decent amount of work. 11 touches in week 14 was more than his last two games combined. While maybe this is positive towards Jamal getting eight fantasy points a game, it does not move the needle enough for fantasy to me. He's a clean sit. Next up, we got the Atlanta Falcons at the Carolina Panthers. Last week's game for Chuba Hubbard felt like when you got that gold star taken away from you in kindergarten because he had a great game the week prior, right? He even scored twice prior week. And last week, still got all the touches, but you know, that gold star, that great finish wasn't there for him. Now, he's still very clearly the lead back. He received 23 carries for 87 yards with nine receiving yards in New Orleans last week. But the touchdowns were not there to take him over the top to be a potentially elite running back on the week. I think Hubbard might be one of the more underrated fantasy running backs right now. And I'm not going to say he's one of the most underrated running backs because again, he's not very efficient, but he's gotten 20 plus carries in back-to-back Michael Jordan, 96, 97 weeks. There is no reason to believe wrongly in Hubbard any given week, right? Like, I'm not the biggest fan, again, of his efficiency, but if you're getting 20 fucking carries every week, my confidence has to continue to rise to a point where, you know, I kind of do believe a lot more in him. May have just contradicted what I said, but right now I do believe in, in Hubbard, even though the Panthers' offense... Sucks more cock than Remy LaCroix. I will fire up Hubbard as a low-end running back, too, with big upside. Now, Miles Sanders actually looked pretty good last week, right? Miles Sanders has been one of those punching bags for us all season, right? I was someone that was pretty off of Miles Sanders. The guy robbed the Carolina Panthers for all their money. They gave him one of those big checks. They bit Mr. Big Checks, Antonio Brown-style rights. And again, he did good last week, though, so I'm not going to make fun of him every week. If he does good, I'm not just going to pretend like I didn't see it. Shout out John Cena. 10 carries for 74 yards. But we all know how the hierarchy here goes in Carolina, and that is heavily weighed towards Chuba Hubbard. As things sit right now, I just don't see Sanders getting enough work for me to throw him into my lineup. For the Falcons... Bijan Robinson looked very nice, as Borat would say last week, against the Bucks with 10 rushes for 34 yards and five receptions on seven targets for 54 yards and uno total touchdown. This now marks two weeks in a row with 20 plus fantasy points for Bijan, which a lot of people probably a couple weeks ago would have told you was impossible. It really does feel like Arthur Smith has made a consistent, strong effort to give Bijan the rock ever since the bye week. Against the Panthers' defense, again, people say you can't list Bijan as a must-start. Well, guess what? He just ripped off two 20-plus fantasy points games in a row. I get some people don't believe in Arthur Smith. And again, I still don't have the strongest belief in Arthur Smith. But we've seen ever since the bye week, they've pushed more towards Bijan. So I got to tell you, you got to start him. Tyler Algier has had 10 or less touches in four straight weeks. And like I said with Bijan, since the team is giving more touches to Bijan, Algier is the casualty of that. And to me, it feels like he's going to fall outside the top 40 at running back for the fifth week in a row. Next up, we got the Washington Commanders at the Los Angeles Rams, the start of the four o'clock slate on Sunday. Kyron Williams has yet another solid game last week in Baltimore game. That was the best game on the slate. It really felt like to me the Rams might sneaky get that win. They don't. There's that kick return or the punt return for a touchdown in overtime. Great game, though. Definitely best game of last week, like I said. That was not a great matchup, though, for Kyron on paper. He still had 25 carries for 114 yards and three receptions for negative one yards. Now, I get Nick, he didn't score a touchdown, but 
again, against the Ravens defense, I'm not going to sit here and, whoosh, you know, like spit on his name or something, right? He still had a solid game. Kyron has been one of the biggest surprises at running back this season. He averages five yards per carry. He's got 10 touchdowns on the season in nine games. So he averages more than one touchdown per game. Kyron is a clear must start every single week. At this point, if you aren't sold on Kyron Williams, then I frankly do not know what to tell you. Rolls-Royce Freeman has been on a milk carton, right? A missing poster over the last two weeks with four total touches in the last two games. This backfield is clearly owned by Kyron. No need to play Mr. Rolls-Royce. Brian Robinson, according to head coach of the Commanders, Riverboat Ron Rivera, and I don't know why I called him Riverboat Ron. He, he does not live up to that title at all. And hasn't for like a decade. <laughs> Brian Robinson is expected to practice this week. You need to monitor his practice reports Obviously, right, when a guy's coming back, it's not like you just want to, on Sunday, just leave him in your line. If then magically he doesn't play, you're like, oh, fuck, I started Brian Robinson in the playoffs and he didn't play. Nick, this is your fault, right? No, pay attention all week to the practice report. I'd play him as a high-end running back three. Again, he's kind of in that same range, slightly above a guy like Edwards Hilaire and Jarek McKinnon, but you could argue for starting them over him because, again, Brian Robinson's coming off of an injury. Rams defense is... Sneaky good, and the commander's offense just isn't great anymore. Like, again, he, he's like one of those desperation start type of guys, and for, for a lot of teams, he kind of be on your bench. Gibson, if for some reason Robinson doesn't play, then I would start Antonio Gibson because Antonio Gibson, given it like 10 carries and a couple of targets, would have a great game, right? He would get the most amount of carries all season. If Robinson is in, there's no real reason to get cute and play Gibson against, again, a kind of underrated Rams defense who, in a situation where, get, who, I sound like a fucking owl, <laughs> how many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop, right? Where Gibson needs like that long reception and a score to be fantasy relevant, so I would just stay away. Next up, we got the San Francisco 49ers at the Arizona Cardinals. Now, last week, Christian McCaffrey had his first game outside the top 12. <gasps> Since week six, right? Oh, no. But he had 145 rushing yards. McCaffrey is still the best running back in the National Football League. He is on one of the best teams, if not the best team in the National Football League. And I fully expect him to go nuclear Oppenheimer style up against the Seahawks defense, just like he did in week 12 in Seattle on Thanksgiving with 19 carries for 114 yards and five receptions for 25 yards with two total touchdowns. Again, I don't need to sit here and sing the gospel for Christian McCaffrey, right? We all know how great he is. He's a must-start every week. If McCaffrey is your running back one, you don't even have to watch this section of the video. You know you're going to start him. Unless, of course, you enjoy what I talk about, which, of course, you do. You made it this far. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. This video is definitely going to go long compared to normal because we ranted on the Dolphins for, like, 10 minutes, and I know people are going to get mad. Nick, why, why are you ranting about the Dolphins? Because it's my channel, pal. I can do whatever I want. You can skip it if you want. It's okay. I love you anyways. I love all you guys. Again, thank you guys so much for all your support. We're almost at 6 million views on YouTube that we should hit within this week. And we're almost at 31,000 subscribers that we should hit this week again. That is all because of you guys. I'm just some asshole that sits here and talks to a camera. I owe it all to you. So I do love you guys. And I do hope that we all make it to week 17 and that W win our fantasy football championship. So Jordan, the numbers, Mason, what do they mean? is the clear running back two at this point in the season over Elijah Mitchell as the running back two behind McCaffrey. Last week, he had four carries for 20 yards and a score. He will get his five-ish touches, but you shouldn't expect him to do much unless this is a complete and utter blowout. Clear sit for Jordan Mason. James Conner prior to the bye week against the Steelers in a bad matchup. It was like Eckler, right? Going against the Steelers, he just was awful. Multiple games in a row. It's coming back off the injury. It's like, okay, we sit James Conner, right? I'm done. I don't want to play with you anymore. Then 25 rushes for 105 yards and two touchdowns. I just don't see it going that well, though, up against the 49ers defense that could easily lock the Cardinals up and throw away the goddamn key. Stay away from Connor this week. Amari DiMarcado should be the running back two on the Cardinals. Could get it max five touches a game, so there's no need to start him. Next up, we got another very exciting game this week. The Dallas Cowboys at the no one circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Now, the Cowboys just went apeshit. They absolutely eviscerated the Eagles. Like, that was a game where I thought it was going to be real high-scoring back-and-forth game. It was high-scoring, but it was because the Cowboys just took a dump all over the Eagles. 
I know that the narrative has kind of been that the Eagles are overrated and they aren't as good as the record says, but I didn't expect the Cowboys to roundhouse kick them Chuck Norris style. Chuck Norris in the year 2023, right? People definitely just that one. I don't know why I just thought it in my head, but yeah. Dallas, man, oh man, Dallas looks good. See if they can do it in the playoffs, though. Now, again, Nick, you're a Dolphins fan talking about the Cowboys' success in the playoffs. You can't talk about it. I can. Yeah, I just did. But again, I, I really hate the Cowboys. I definitely dislike the Eagles more than the Cowboys. But again, I don't hate any of these teams. The only teams I really dislike are the Bills, Patriots, and the Jets because they're the Dolphins' rivals. But again, I'm very non-biased when I talk about any of these teams. Hard has done a complete 180 over the last four weeks. Going from a guy who was allergic to the end zone, right? He just could not score into a guy that falls into the end zone basically every week. Now, that wasn't the case last week, but he still scored 17 fantasy points against the Eagles. Against a not-so-hot Buffalo Bills run defense, I expect another big game out of TP. Should be a top-8 game, and at the very least, a top-12 running back game for Pollard. Rico Dowdle, you might just get hit with the Rico. I mean, Billy Dowdle saw a solid amount of work last week with 12 rushes for 46 yards and one reception on six targets with a touchdown. Now, I expect this game to definitely be a lot closer, and I think we'll end up seeing a little bit less Dowdle this week. Now, again, Dowdle didn't just get all of his play in garbage time. He was working in early, but I do think if this game ends up being closer, they will kind of go back to their main guy in Pollard. At the end of the day, I think Dowdle might actually be an elite handcuff knock on wood in case something happened to Pollard. But outside of that, I really just think Dowdle finished outside the top 30. I wouldn't get cute play him. James Cook has been cooking up a five-star Michelin meal recently. Gordon Ramsay style, man. James Cook has been on fire. Three straight games as a top 12 running back. And ever since Dorsey... Got the can. Cook has gotten the correct usage that he should have been seeing all season long. Last week in Kansas City, he had 10 rushes for 58 yards and five receptions for 83 yards with a touchdown. The Dallas defense does look good, right? I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that the Dallas defense is Fugazi. It's a wazi. It's a woozy. It really doesn't look Fugazi. It looks great. But I have to believe this game won't be a blowout like the Cowboys-Eagles game. Cook is a mid-range running back, too, on the week for me with top 12 upside. Ty Johnson feels like the running back, too, now that Brady took over as the OC ahead of Latavius Murray. Even so, the volume will not be enough with James Cook. James Cook? With James Cook feasting like he's in my 600-pound life. That's a sad show, man. That's a sad show. I know, like, people will be like, oh, my God, it's so funny. Look at these fat fucks, right? They're, like, uh, in Wall-E when they're in space, right? No, dude, sad. Really sad. Again, Nick, you just made a joke about it. I know, but it, it really is a sad show if you've never watched it. Next up, we got the Baltimore Ravens at the Jacksonville Jaguars on. Because you waited all day for Sunday night. The Baltimore Ravens at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Keaton Mitchell. Keaton Mitchell was a guy that I was starting to feel the Mitchell fever, man. I was starting to feel like, ooh, 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 coming out the bye week, it's going to be Keaton Mitchell time, baby. No. He saw a reduced snap count in week 14 against the Rams compared to his matchup prior to the bye up against the other LA team, the Chargers. Mitchell, very electric back, right? You can watch the tape. Your eyes will start ejaculating, right? But with me being unsure about Mitchell's usage, it puts him as a fringe start at best. Then we got Gus Bus, Justice Hill. Now, Justice Hill actually had the most snaps on the team. Gus's run of finding the end zone every single week and getting, in some games, multiple touchdowns in those games has faded away like pixie dust. Two straight games with fewer than 10 carries and fewer than six fantasy points. While the reins of the backfield haven't been fully given to Mitchell, at this point, Edwards has entered must-sit zone. Travis Etienne, two straight weeks with a touchdown for Travis Etienne. The Ravens' defense technically isn't great up against the run, but I definitely don't have the most confidence in Etienne considering that Trevor Lawrence looked pretty banged up last week. Now, obviously, he's a week more healthy, but again, that looks like an injury. Now, again, 
Nick, you're not a doctor. I know, right? That looks like an injury that would knock you out a couple weeks, though. Though this game potentially being high scoring does move me closer to ranking him towards the top 12. On paper, this is an obvious must start, but something in the back of my head is just telling me that maybe this is a kind of a flop of a game for ETH. And again, you're still probably going to be stuck playing him, though. Dearness Johnson continues to operate as the running back two ahead of Tank Bigsby in Jacksonville, but he's just another guy that won't ever get more than like six-ish touches on a great day. So with the RB1 on the team, healthy and ETN, knock on wood, we don't root for injuries. No need to play that guy. Final game here, the Battle of the Burrs. The Philadelphia Eagles at the Seattle Seahawks on Monday Night Football. Now, DeAndre Swift has been on a one-way flight to Bustville, a one-way flight to being absolute dog shit over the last couple of games. Too few, too few, two weeks in a row with fewer than five points, and I am starting to go insane in the membrane. Three weeks in a row with less than 10 points has me reminiscing of the good old days earlier on in the season when Swift was soaring and flying like Zac Efron and Vanessa Hudgens in High School Musical. I am not ready to jump ship off of Swift just yet, but I'm going to tell you guys, right, that we should be at least a little bit worried. And I do acknowledge that the second we second we sit DeAndre Swift, I'm not even kidding, he's going to get 125 all-purpose yards and two or three touchdowns. The second we quit on DeAndre Swift is the second that the Eagles stop doing the tush push and Swift gets four touchdowns. Like, that is exactly what would happen. So with all that said, Swift is a low-end running back two this week. Even in a good matchup, I just can't rank him highly because, again, the Eagles are not looking the best. Kenneth Gainwell, Kenny G, the Sacks man, is a talented enough back to every once in a while, every once in a blue moon, you know, have that good matchup. But even with that said, it would be crazy to start him. For the Seattle Seahawks, Kenneth Walker third was back and looked all right on Sunday against the 49ers. Now, he couldn't do much given the fact that the Seahawks got face-fucked by the 49ers. For the second time this season, the Eagles defense reeks mom through the screen to high heaven. But also with this potentially being a 50-50 split between Walker and Charbonnet or something close to that, we can't rank Walker very high. So he's just a fringe start. Zach Charbonnet saw more carries than Walker last week, but Walker outsnapped Charbonnet 56 to 42%. Regardless of what the snap split looks like this week, I would advise that with Walker, Texas Ranger back, that Charbonnet should be sitting on the pines. Thank you guys all so much for watching. If you didn't up enjoying today's video, make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below while you're down there. Whether you are new to the channel or not, please make sure you leave a like on today's video. It would help me out a ton. If you want to follow me on Twitter or X, please do so at NotoriousFNTSY. And if you'd like access to my weekly rankings that should be posted by Thursday, as well as getting an answer to any of the questions you guys may have, make sure you check out the Patreon for $7.50 linked in the video description, $7.50 a month. Love you guys all so much. Make sure you check out one of the videos on your screen if you haven't seen them already. And let's get a big fat W this week, week 15. Fantasy football playoffs for most of you. Let's win, baby. Love you guys. Have a great one, as always. Good boy!